Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Today, my guest, her name is Sai Wakeman, and she is an amazing author. And you know how I love giving you guys book ideas and uh, showing you some inspiration and helping you have some tools in order to get through life and the chaos uh, of life. And so this book is called Life's Messy, Live Happy. Things don't have to be perfect for you to be content which, you know, we always put a lot of emphasis on being perfect. And so I'm excited to talk to Sai about her book. And before I bring her on, I will give you a little bit of her background. Sai Wakeman is a drama researcher, international leadership speaker, and consultant. In 2001, she founded Reality-Based Leadership. She is the author of Reality-Based Leadership and uh, see, No Ego and the New York best time, New York Times bestseller, the reality-based rules of the workplace. What a mouthful. Uh, in 2001, she was named the number one global leadership guru by Global Gurus, as well as one of the top 100 leadership experts to follow on Twitter. And she was deemed the secret weapon to restoring sanity to the workplace. Wakeman lives in Baja, California, Sur Mexico. And we are welcoming Cy Wakeman to the show. Welcome, Cy. Thank you for thank being you, here. Thank you. Glad to be on. I should add for your uh, podcast to that bio, the mother of four sons. Mother so, of four sons. Street cred there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how, how old are your sons now? Right now they're 21 to 30. So wow. fun, very cool times to be interacting with them as, uh, as very awesome adults now. It's very fun. It's another part of motherhood if you aren't there yet. Um, every part is amazing. It just gets better and better. That's what I'm told. I've got mine are little, mine are eight and almost seven and five. And so they're still in the younger stages, but I hear it just gets better and better. So we'll see. It does. does. And so before we jump in, I have an icebreaker question for you. And that is what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh my gosh. Favorite cookie ever. Um, Christmas cookies um, that my grandmother would make and we would get to do all the cool sparkles and and colored sugars and uh, so her sugar cookies were unbelievable I still am in the pursuit to find something similar oh really so she made them from scratch she didn't get the pre like bought dough (laughs) no this was a hundred years ago no we would uh roll them out and chill them in the fridge it was a whole day process I don't know whether they needed all of the prep that we did, but I think she occupied a whole day for us in the activity and it was really wonderful memories. And did you bring that on with your sons during Christmas time? You know, I did. I didn't have her exact recipe, but um, we are a foodie family. So it's a big deal to us, um, whatever we're baking or cooking um, together as a family. My boys are awesome chefs. So excellent. And do they live near you? I have three in Omaha and one in San Diego. And of course I live South in um, the Baja Peninsula in Mexico, 
Um, so they don't live near me and we see each other often. So that's great. We have the, the luxury of I'm, I travel a lot. So I just got back from Omaha and they come down a lot. So they like it here. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me more about, um, we all lead crazy, messy lives. Like life is messy. So can you give us some tips on how we can live happy despite all of the chaos? Because your book, I love the title. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I think the first um, thing to check for ourselves is whether or not you're deferring your natural state of happiness, like I'll be happy when the kids are older, or I'll be happy when, you know, the holidays are over, or I'll be happy when, check yourself to see if you're deferring happiness or if you're um, outsourcing your happiness. Like in order to be happy, I need my house organized. In order to be happy, I need, you know, to get people acting right in my life. I need to, you know, set boundaries, all of those things are really almost violent ways to find happiness. Like either I'm a self-help project that when I'm better, I'll be happy or the world needs, you know, me to get it cleaned up and in control. The easiest way to really live in a happy, content state is understand that um, there always is the mess. We're not trying to clean it up, avoid it, that, that there's this beautiful, messy middle where I go within and um, forge wisdom and reflect and evolve myself. And when I walk out into the mess, I want to walk out with, with love and um, helpfulness, but not overgiving and perfectionism. And the only way I can walk through the mess skillfully is if I'm doing my inner work. And so happiness really is an inside job. Um, and a lot of it, it has to do with foregoing perfection and accepting reality for what it really is and having compassion towards yourself and others and lowering your standards and <laughs> um, moving through life um, without fighting reality. So many of us are in an argument with reality. It shouldn't be this way. And that's an argument you'll lose 100% of the time. It is what it is. And uh, show up and be joyful in spite of that. Because that is our reality, even though we don't like it. Even if it's temporary, it's still reality for the moment. And so having to navigate that in the most positive way is basically our only choice. Our only <laughs> Can't really choice. hide under a pillow from life. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to invite people into toxic positivity or spiritual bypassing. I just want people to realize that I invite them to realize that pain is inevitable, but so much of the suffering we actually add to it. Mm -hmm. So when I ask people, you know, um, especially some of your audience members that are busy moms, I ask them like, how's life? And they're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And it's just undoable and it's unmanageable. And it's like, well, let's back up. You've got 10 things that you put on your calendar today. I know it's busy. It's like, we're the crazy company. Oh my gosh. It's just undoable. And it's crazy. And, and I'm like, I know it's busy. Where'd the crazy come from? And people suddenly realize they're like, oh, I added that. <laughs> and I'm like, was it helpful? You know, because there's two ways to go through the day. One is joyfully and one's with suffering. And a lot of times we, you know, add the suffering part on ourselves unnecessarily. So, right. Cause we control 
what we can control. So we control our calendar. We control the activities that we are choosing to put our kids into or responsibilities or things that we're taking on. And so making the conscious decision to say yes or no is part of the crazy. It's part of the crazy. And we also make decisions on um, valuing like our reputation and people don't realize how much they're trying to control, but we're even trying to control how the teacher sees us. And we're trying to control our image with the gymnastics coach. And, um, you know, I learned early on as a mother, um, I got a call and instead of going like, oh my God, they're calling me about my child again. They're like, your child swears like a sailor. And so <laughs> taking that personal, I'm like, I know, I've noticed that too. Can you help me? Do you have any ideas on what I should do about this child who swears like a sailor? Now, in working my program, I didn't go into that shame spiral like, oh my God, I'm the only mom whose kid swears like a sailor. When somebody gave me feedback, I'm like, thank you. Can you help me with that? What I did, do you have, you have a lot of expertise in this. What happens? And that comes from staying in the present moment too, because so many of us personalize things. Your kid swears like a sailor. Oh my gosh, he's going to end up in juvenile delinquent hall. Well, he's <laughs> four. Like right. he's probably, he's probably <laughs> not going to do that, right? You know, and um, and so I was a bit of a renegade in just um, being quick to admit that what they saw was exactly true. Right, which is hard, especially if it's something it's not even something negative. Like all kids do that. I think when we get a call from the teacher, we automatically get defensive because a, it's your kid like, Oh no, it's bad. And also it's a reflection of you and you want to make sure that you're looking good or that you're the, you know, star pupil of parenthood and not admitting, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's it. I, I curse a lot and I just don't catch myself and probably got it for me. I've been working on it. When you surrender to the mess of parenting, what you can realize it takes a lot of the pressure off is every single child you have will try a behavior that doesn't fly well at school. And sure. so being chronically surprised by it. You get the call from the teacher, you go, oh, I was wondering what this child would work on in kindergarten. My last one worked on swearing. This one works on peeing outside. Oh got gosh. Like, yeah. Well, you have know. boys. So <laughs> I've got two boys and they love, <laughs> they call the it nature peeing. Yeah, he pees outside. And I'm just like, yes, we do. Cause I hate laundry. And so the world is your John. Yeah. But you know, I think that we lose some of the um the perspective and the joy of um parenting by just joining the human race and acknowledging, you know, um, what is and um being willing to be vulnerable in that. I think so. I think that all kids are different. They're going to throw you curveballs. That's what makes life fun. Yes, stressful too, because sometimes things can't be fixed as easily as saying, you know, it's a cursing problem, you know. And so trying to be proactive and not reactive is also a good way to try and prevent. But again, you have to show yourself some grace because you're not going to be able to control everything all the time, especially it's when it comes so to kids. True. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, you know, a lot of times we aren't self-reflective enough. We don't take the time to really go within and feel our feelings and, 
and reflect on um, what's going on for us. And so we get into some habitual things. Like um, I remember feeling like I said no to my kids too often. And I want to know like, what's that about? And a lot of times when they would ask to do something, I would automatically assume I had to do all the work of it. So I would say no. So a case in point, um, and I talk about a lot of this you know, in the book on how to be able to say yes and, um, I had a son who got hurt playing football and he just thought his whole junior high life was over. So I sat him down and I just, we talked about diversifying, like don't put all your eggs in one basket, like discover the theater, discover, you know, the music programs, like use this time wisely. And as some kids do, he came back and used that against me. He goes, do you remember when you told me to diversify? I go, absolutely. He goes, well, I want to go to a play tonight. And immediately I said, absolutely not. Now, no. does that seem hypocritical? No. However, we lived out of town. We had a very organized van schedule that went in. And I immediately said no, because I'm like, I'm in my pajamas. I have a glass of wine in my hand. I'm just about to have an evening with my husband. I said no, because I was so far into all the things I would have to do to get him there. Yeah. And so my best parenting he was following. And then I was saying, no, and then it dawned on me. Like he's the last kid standing at home between me and the night with my husband. I'm like, what? And so I did something from my own advice. I said, you know what? Yes. I love your goal. I want you to go to the theater. Now let's talk about how you're going to get yourself there. <laughs> right. And so, so many times we don't separate those out. These are little things I teach in the book. And he gave me a lot of things to veto in the beginning. He's like, well, you could um, take me. I'm like, you know, that won't work for me. I'm already home and in my jammas. He's like, well, you could pay for an Uber. And I'm like, well, honey, you know what? Um, I have a budget and I work and I only pay for guests for my own cars. I don't really pay for Ubers for kids that don't plan well. And then he tried to get me. <laughs> it was like Tad's mom would take him. She's a good mother. And uh, I said, oh my gosh, you might want to call her. She seems like a great mom. So Charlie called Tad's mom and she's like, felt sorry for him. She's like, of course I'll come get him. And she took him in and my problem was solved. And I kind of thought about like if Tad's mom that's pretty codependent. Like maybe I'll call her because I need milk. She'll pick it up for me on the way home. But all <laughs> joking aside, there are so many times where we add the difficulty into our um, lives because we think if I say yes, I'm responsible for all of it. And we don't separate right. things. Yes, I love the goal. And you know what? Um, now let's talk about how we might make that happen. People are like, do you want to be on the fundraising committee? And it's like, we think the two options are yes, I'll do all of it, or no, I'll be that mom who won't help. <laughs> and I probably did that. I'm like, yeah, I'll be on the fundraising committee. Now let's talk about how we're going to have a no bake bake sale. Everybody give me 20 bucks. Nobody has to cook and we're done. And people are like, okay, like, right. why do we go to the grocery? Why do we cook these cookies? Why do we sell them? Like, um, and not that that was just my great idea, but I think that we just need to um, really question our own thinking, question the stress we put on ourselves and the pressure we put on ourselves. It is not about seeking happiness. A lot of it is about stopping doing those things that lead to your unhappiness. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very often my guests on this, on the podcast will talk about, and I do this too with, with my clients is I tell them if it doesn't bring you joy, or if it, if it's something that after you've done your task and you go back and you reflect on how it made you feel, how did it make you feel? Is it something that made you happy? Is it something that you enjoyed or something that you're like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Or something that's just disdain and that like, I hated it, dreaded it. I don't like it. So then you would be okay with delegating it out releasing it to someone else, but you would also have to be okay with them taking control over it. How would that make you feel all the things? Because things that you think are like, yeah, I can handle that. And then you do it and you're like, oh God, that was awful. Good to know. Good to know. You know, I think so many times when we find ourselves um, overwhelmed in a situation, we start to ask questions like that. And that's such a good line of questioning. Does this build my energy or deplete my energy? Is this, you know, joyful or not joyful? Um, And I think a lot of times, and I talk about this in the book, that a lot of times when we're unhappy, we try and find happiness, but we use ineffective questions. So I was in um, a marriage that I was pretty... I was struggling with. And my question was, should I stay or should I go? And that went on for a couple of years. Like, oh my gosh, we'd have a good weekend. I'd be like, I'll stay. We had a bad weekend. I'm like, I'll go. And I went back and forth and back and forth until I realized it's a horrible question. I'll never find my answer. If I want a different answer, I need to have a different question. I have a whole chapter in the book about a better question is not, should I? right? If a question starts with should, that's all about conditioning and expectations mm-hmm. for others and how you're going to be seen by others. Should I stay or go? Those sound like two horrible options. Right. Right. Like, you know, the either or. And so I, I um, invite people to ask different questions. I just ask myself simply, am I fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And when Something the answer simple. was not totally, then I started to ask question, what does my soul crave? And I came up with some clear things. And then I thought, now that I know what my soul is craving, I just need to go ask the person who I'm partnered with if that's doable for them. I kept putting off the conversation. Well, that tells me a lot. Once I'm clear, what am I afraid of? And I was, I was kind of afraid of the answer. I was afraid of other people thinking poorly of me. And so then I had to work through these limiting beliefs. Am I willing for other people to be wrong about me to live the life I want to live? Mm. And now I'm doing the inner work that will really drive happiness because I'm doing that self-reflection. And then when I went and asked for what I needed, the next part of happiness is learning to accept the answer you're given Yes, and do the business of grieving. Cause he said, you know, his, he said yes, but his actions said no. And I had not been willing to just grieve and I was working so hard on making things work that it was like my fingers were in one of those, those, um, Chinese Chinese puzzles, fingers traps. Yeah. The more I worked on it, the more stuck I felt. And I had a great coach and she's like, Sai, what if you just stopped all of this over functioning and grieved? And for so many of us moms and partners and, um, we avoid the grieving. So part of being happy is to get good at grieving. It's to get really good at heartbreak. And so I wrote a chapter on heartbreak. If you're going to love big, there's a distance between when you finally let go and loving big, and that's heartbreak. And you got to get good 
at allowing yourself heartbreak. And there's just a lot of skills that we aren't fluent in that we need to be to walk through the mess skillfully and happily. Most people teach you how to fix the mess or teach you how to, you know, spiritually bypass and be stronger. I teach you in the book, the skills you're going to need after 57 years of being a mom and a stepmom and a wife and a founder. And I teach you what I think are the main things you're going to need to remain content in an imperfect world. What are you going to need to be good at? And, and I think that's the best gift I can give at this age of my life to all the people coming after me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Like that whole explanation just made so much sense. It's so, it's so true. It's very hard to deal with the heartbreak and the negative and the pain, right? We're always trying to avoid the hard. We're always trying to make it easy, right? Uh, I live on smarter, not harder. So you have to do that with not just tasks for your business or tasks for your house, but you have to be smart about your own decisions and don't make it harder on yourself because sometimes trying, you keep beating your head against the wall, doing the same thing or different things, trying to reach that goal when that goal isn't even attainable. Right. And I think so many of us are conditioned to just be better, try harder, hustle more, organize ourselves more when the path to our freedom is to go within, use your breath, feel your feelings, sit with your feelings till they tell you their name. When you can trust yourself, you'll know how to live. Like, and I think so many times, you know, we end up in marriages. My kids ask me like, why did you marry our dad? And my honest answer is because he asked me. <laughs> I was so thrilled about being chosen. Like, doesn't every girl want to be chosen? I was so thrilled about being chosen. I didn't do the due diligence. I didn't ask me if I thought we would be a good partner together, if that's a lifestyle I wanted to live. And so I just cover it in chapter, the book is not written, here's how to live. It is, here's something I realized about being chosen and how it leads you to abandon yourself so that you're not abandoned by others. And here's... Um, a word called enough that has changed my life, a single word. And here, and so I just tell these little vignettes that no matter where you start in the book, um, there's a letter to my son in there um, about um, when he asked me if I believed in a higher power. It is just a series of little chapters that you can start anywhere um, that will at least invite you to see the world differently and make some small shifts grow some talent and really be able to walk through the mess while maintaining your own state of happiness. And I think too, reading someone else's story, which is all common themes in everyone's life, just, it might not be the same situation. Everyone should be able to draw a parallel and relate to it and take something away and learn or try to apply because we all don't have the answers, but there are always people ahead of us in some aspects and we're just catching up. We might be ahead of the game on others. And so just trying to teach what you can from the experience that we have, because everyone will, will have the same types of revelations and or situations. Maybe they won't realize it, but we'll all experience those types of emotions and feelings for me personally, I can't sit with feelings. I I'm always go, go, go. And 
I hear a lot of, well, that's a generational thing, right? Your parents were taught not to do that. So then they teach you how to do that. And yeah, maybe so, but it's also our responsibility to be the best person we are and not, and and take, you know, their modeling behavior. That doesn't mean that we have to be a clone of it. Exactly. And a lot of these are universal principles that have been taught over thousands of years that we remember and forget and remember and forget. Um, And there are no new stories, um, but I think it's important for us to tell our real stories. Um, And I think when we're trying to um, have our circumstances look more perfect, we don't give ourselves the benefit of talking about how it's really going and Mm. what our true stories are. And then we don't get the help that other people could offer um, to us. So I'm hoping. Oh, agreed. uh, Agreed. So you, you have the, the courage and you're in the space where you want to share and maybe it's raw or things like that. And then you put it out there and it's like cricket. So there's, it's not being received how you expected it because you're setting unrealistic expectations. And that's another problem is setting expectations for other people when then you're always going to be up for disappointment because not everyone will ever meet the expectations you set out, especially if they don't know about them. Exactly. Exactly. Ask for what you need and, you know, speak, speak what's true for you in the moment. Um, But first you have to know what's true for you in the moment. And that takes some reflection. 100%. Actually, it's funny. My kids were watching a a cartoon the other day. It was like, speak with your heart's fire. So I don't know why that that quote just came. Oh, I love that. In my head. I love that. It's uh, from the Disney uh, Pixar movie uh, Onward, and it's about two boys that are trying to finish the spell to bring their dad back for one day. Only half their dad came back. And so one of them has the gift to say the spell, but they're looking for the piece. But the other one wishes he did, but he's teaching his his younger brother because he's the one who indeed has it, even though he's the expert or read all about it. And he's like, you have to say it with your heart's heart. You have to believe what you're saying in order to put it out there and you can't fake it because it can tell when you mean it, when you don't. Oh, what a great life lesson, right? Thank you, Pixar. Yeah. Right. They always have great, great movies. And I encourage my kids all the time because they just have such great uh, stories and things and great just messages, which I cry at the end of that movie. My kids cry at the end of that movie. And it's just so it, because they can relate in all these different ways. And, um, it's okay to feel those things. That's why we watch movies. That's why we read books. That's why we, you know, do what we do is to bring out emotion, relate and grow. So true. So true. And I think, you know, we have to remember progress on perfection every day of our lives, just get enough done. You know, my goal is to have people in my presence feel as though they are enough that they aren't disappointing to me and that I'm not left wanting, that I want to love people in a way that they're convinced that they are enough. And that's what makes them brave to go out into the world and do great things. It's not my nagging or my hounding as a parent. Right, right. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for for chatting. And tell us a little bit more about where we can find your book and where we can find you. I mean, you are just full of knowledge and I can't wait to dive into your book further. I've skimmed through it and read some pages and it's just, it's, it really is phenomenal. And the, and the name itself just says it all. 
Well, thank you. So I'm at Cy Wakeman on all social media. So C-Y-W-A-K-E-M-A-N. The book is Life's Messy, Live Happy. You can order it online. You can go to your favorite indie bookstore. We love when we support those independent bookstores and ask for it. Um, but definitely interact with us online or our newsletter. You can sign up if you go to realitybasedleadership.com. And it will pop up to sign up for a newsletter. I put out video um, clips almost, uh, um, I think it's twice a month now. So we don't sell you stuff. We just send you these great video clips to make sure you get it in your email. It's good content. Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes so everyone can find you. And uh, I strongly recommend uh, following Sai and picking up her book and signing up for her newsletter for sure. And thank you again for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, Heather. It's an honor to be with you. I wish you the best. Oh, thank you. And you too. And thank you again for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies. Thank you.